Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. Heroes, this week I'm playing with my good friend Jeff Stormer, as we're showing off his new game, Anyone Can Wear the Mask. Anyone Can Wear the Mask is a combination of a role-playing game, a storytelling game, and world-building game. And it's all based on superhero narratives, as the name would imply. Anyone Can Wear the Mask is an investigation of some of the stuff I love most about superheroes. It's about caring about communities and working hard to save people who need help. It's an earnest love letter to my favorite caped and masked crusaders, and I hope it strikes a chord with all of you as much as it struck a chord with me. Notably, one of the things I loved about this game is how much it reminds me of the All My Fantasy Children podcast. If you haven't branched out too far on the OneShot Network, All My Fantasy Children is a show co-hosted by Jeff Stormer and Aaron Catano Saez that is all about world building and character creation. Jeff and Aaron have a fabulous chemistry together, and they capitalize on it to tell some truly wonderful stories. Jeff has managed to bottle a fraction of that magic and put it into the structure of his game, allowing listeners at home, such as yourselves, access to the tools that he uses to spin wild yarns with Aaron over on AMFC. Suffice to say, I recommend this game, and I'm really excited to share it with y'all. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. And by party, I mean just one man. And that is Jeff Stormer. Jeff, welcome back to One Shot. James, thank you so much for having me. I could not be happier to be here. I could not think of a better way to spend my day than playing this game with you. I am beyond excited. This is post-Thanksgiving for us, where normally... I am in like a kind of a food stasis, but today I'm full of turkey energy instead. I, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready to play this game. I am. I am in food stasis, but I'm still I'm still here. I'm still on microphone. <laughs> I'm still recording, but I'm just trying. I want to make sure we're both just level setting for each other. and We know where we're at. One thing that I like about this is a, your a typical thing. I'm, I'm going to sort of jump ahead to plugs with you. Jeff is the host of the Party of One podcast where Jeff does wonderful two-player role-playing experiences, either playing bespoke two-player RPGs or playing RPGs that can accommodate more than two players, but just as a two-player experience. When you come on one shot, it is not uncommon for me to just make you do the thing that you normally do which is it's true. the two-player experience. Honestly, I really appreciate it because like this is at this point my comfort zone. If you were to be like, here's six people, entertain all of them, I'm like, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm lost. I'm in the woods here. <laughs> but with just two people, I'm like, this is, you know, I've been doing this for, for five years now. I'm ready to go. I'm locked in. Now, the game that we're going to be playing this week is Anyone Can Wear the Mask, which is a game that you designed Yes. Before we jump into it, we normally do kind of like icebreaker questions, get to know the guests a little bit. So the question that I have for you is either you, you can choose one or the other, or okay. I, I, I suppose because the game that we have right now, you could Spider-Man style choose to do both. That'll be up to you. But you can either tell me your Anywhere between your fourth and sixth favorite superhero, because I'm sure you've talked about your favorite mm -hmm. superhero 10,000 times in 10,000 different places. So four to six slot, or you can tell me the back pocket superhero pitch that like you've always kind of wanted to write or see, but you know, never, you know, never really had the chance to pursue. So I can, I think, give you both because- my fourth to sixth favorite is I have a really deep undying love for as a team, really everybody in the Justice League International, like that run of superhero comics is like my all time favorite. And I have a deep and abiding love for the elongated man for the world's second wow. greatest detective. Hmm. I adore the elongated man. I, I will say that's my answer to the first question. My answer to the second is I have a 
I have a question pitch in my back pocket, as I think many of us do, mm-hmm. that is built on the idea of I, I feel like there's a great 20th century uh, or 21st century, I guess, because we're technically the, the, the world that we live in today is a great place to have like a question that is built on the fact that like you can have all of the world's information at your fingertips. If 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 the questions role is just like, yeah, I've read it all. I've read everything on the internet. I've seen it all. Like that is inherently like a very interesting take on this character that is supposed to be not wholly trustworthy and you don't like them. And like that idea of like this person that has, that has seen everything and has access to everything is terrifying. And like in a way that that character is not a hero, but like, I think that is a compelling person to figure to follow in a superhero context in a story that is all about like data security and like very modern cyberpunk i think this question fits into that in a really neat way that is pretty i i like that i like that pitch a lot one thing a visual that it gave me is of the question as a vigilante fact checker who will essentially break into a newsroom punch a reporter for using a misleading headline or something like that clearly there there's there's more to that but i i really like that pitch it's a good pitch i've always felt like and i feel like here's the other half of that pitch do you know who i feel like has never crossed paths with the question from a nemesis standpoint who would be a fantastic question antagonist uh what is what is his name Glorious Godfrey would be my... Glorious Godfrey would be good. I'm going to say the Riddler would be a spectacular question antagonist. Yes, yes, Two question mark themed themed weirdos, one of whom thinks he has all the answers and the other is all about you don't know anything. Like, that's a very good antagonistic relationship. I I really, really like that, especially with how pride-driven the Riddler is and how, like... Oh, he could very easily get obsessed with the question and be super mad and salty about it, which is really kind of my preferred Riddler. It's the best Riddler. State. Okay. We we have indulged ourselves enough on that. And, you know, listeners, this is going to be a very self-indulgent game. (laughs) Jeff and I, we've made a pact before recording to really just indulge as much as we can of of our proclivities. But Jeff, I I would love for you to talk to our audience a little bit uh, about your game uh, so they know what they're in for. Of course. Anyone Can Wear the Mask is a game for one to three players. It is about a superhero, a supervillain, and the city that they share. Basically, the game is about the day-by-day, or if you prefer to think about it in this way, the issue-by-issue adventures of like uh, the great hero defending their sort of chosen like territory. It is a game that, you know, is about characters and heroes that have really specific, strong kind of iconic relationships to a given place. Superman in Metropolis, Spider-Man in New York, Danny Rand and, and Luke Cage in the the neighborhood that they have set up their shop in. It is about that city that needs that hero and the hero that needs that city and the villain that is trying to take that from both of them. Gosh, um, yes. It is the the pop culture reference point that I think best captures the, the story of this game and the tone of this game is it is a game that is a love letter to specifically the subway scene from Spider-Man 2 because uh, I think like that scene is wonderful and good. I'm hot and cold on a lot of the rest of that movie, but like that scene is just is a perfect Spider-Man thing. Hot and cold on Spider-Man 2? I think there's 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 parts that I love. There's parts that I think could be better. I do think it is on the whole probably one of the best Spider-Man thing like movies. But there's parts of it that I I, I, I am cold on. I, I it's been a while since I've revisited, so maybe maybe there are things that I am remembering through uh, Spider-Man shaped glasses. Tobey Maguire is not as good at quips as I think Sam Raimi wants, or Tobey Maguire <laughs> wants to be, and so like. <laughs> Well, okay, okay, but to be fair, I don't think Spider-Man is as good as, as good equips as Peter Parker necessarily wants him to be. So perhaps you know what? I think that you've convinced me. I feel, I feel, I feel bested here. I, I retract my argument. 
Um, yeah, uh, that scene in Spider-Man Two is such a is such a perfect like superhero mythological moment that that is that is a lot of what this game is about. It is about the hero giving their everything to protect these people and the people of the city like turning around and doing everything they can to keep that hero from giving up when things get to be their darkest. Yes, the the if you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. This is very good. You also, on a recent Twitter thread, had described this as being very good to play the Flash and you laying yes. out the relationship between the hero and the city. Like, oh, man, does that make so much more sense? Yeah, it is. It, it's the, the Flash wasn't on my mind when I wrote the game and then somebody mentioned it and I was like, yeah, Flash, it's it is every bit like if you whether whether you are looking at the comics the cw show the but my reference point which is the justice league unlimited episode where all of the flashes rogue show up which is a 22 minute masterpiece all of those things are like what this game is about well i am so enthusiastically ready to to go on this journey with you so let's do it where where, where do we get started the first thing we're going to do is make our hero and this is where I'm going to throw a very big pitch to you. Because right. I'm going to be playing the hero today. I'm going to answer a few questions. But the thing that I'm going to start with, I'm going to go slightly out of order, out of our normal like hero creation process, and jump to the question of what can our hero do? I want to throw you a really specific pitch. Because in, in the name of being as self-indulgent as possible, we had talked about including a trope that we both love, which is a Groundhog Day-style time loop. Mm, delicious yes so what i want to pitch you james this is my all my fantasy children idea pitch to you james is what if this is a hero whose ability is to like trigger and activate a a localized groundhog day style time loop so like they clap their hands they speak the they speak the power phrase and for the next hour or day or whatever if they speak another phrase like they have the ability to like be like this I am going to repeat this hour until I am ready to let it go. I absolutely adore this. This is this is sensational. This is great. I have a lot of questions about this power set and how it works, but so this is like essentially like a normal person. You're you're a Bill Murray type figure mm -hmm. who can just institute one of these time loops in a, in a given space and keep reliving that until yeah until they, they are until satisfied. They... Is the exit ramp like? Is it something they control or do they have to succeed at a goal or of some kind or or re reach a point of emotional clarity? I love so i wasn't sure about this but once you said they have to reach a goal if the idea is like they set their because that also sets a really neat weakness to that like a really weak great limitation that will play perfectly into the game if it is i have to accomplish a goal and like if i set my mind to it i can i can crystallize that like literal goal and then the time loop institutes and i just go back and forth and back and forth and then the second that I complete that goal, like that's the run, right? Like that's the that's the last Hades run that we have. It's it's once <laughs> once like if my goal is to get a sixteen hundred on my SATs, the the first time I get that sixteen hundred, does not matter what happened. It does not matter if this is the run where I stole the I stole the notes just to oh, like no. have the answers in a future run. It's like no, I got the sixteen hundred. Like this is the timeline that is locked in, and I can't go back and undo it again because time has now moved after that, and I can't like I can't fix that mistake. Mm, so yes. so any mistakes any mistakes that have happened once I have accomplished that goal, they're locked in. So I have to I have to like time it out so that i can get it perfectly enough that on my next run it is like flawless yeah that's i really really like that i also there's a part of me that is like maybe and i don't know how necessary it is for us to know this but i think another limitation on this person's powers is once they establish a time loop they cannot have another loop intersect with that right a hundred percent yeah i love that and i love that uh, the idea that like and I, I also love that they can't it's it's never retroactive, right? Like I can't say, oh, I have to redo the last hour. It has to be I have to redo the next hour. It oh, can never be like 
I, I don't know. I kind of like the idea that it's retroactive okay. only because, it, you know, you're a superhero. You might find out about a car crash that happened like across town mm. and been you like, know what? I, I could have prevented that. And in fact, I will. I actually do love that. Now that you've laid it out like that, that is that is very cool. I love the idea that yeah, they can't intersect. I can't start another time loop once I've started one. And like I can't. Once I once I have one goal in place, like I can't then change that goal. I have to accomplish that task and like no and no amount of, oh, I should probably be doing this thing instead can change that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, like when you find other goals along the way, it's like, OK, I definitely have to save this cat from the tree, but I have to do that on my way to stopping this car right. crash. Yeah. Uh -huh. And essentially it becomes a. It is very Spider-Man. It is very, it's very uh, Spider-Man. I got I take on as many commitments as possible and I try to juggle them all at the same time. Uh, heaping really the world good. upon my shoulders. Very ooh, good. This is, ooh, I'm, I'm, we should probably go through, there's so much more that I want to talk about this, but we should probably go through the other character creation or world creation steps. So they're pretty quick. Uh, the first question is how powerful am I? And I'm going to go with, I'm going to keep this at friendly neighborhood hero. I don't think I think and I think that the reason that I'm going to keep it at that my options are street level vigilante, friendly neighborhood hero, gifted with great power or a living God. Mm -hmm. I love the idea that like it is not my my power might be vast like this is a pretty world breaking power, but it is it is I still have to be able to a get where I'm going in a set amount of time and be like. I'm still limited in how far I can go at any given moment. It's yeah. like in a sense of like, of like, if I hear about, if I hear about like an assassination on the other side of the world, I still have to like, I would still theory, theoretically have to like get on a plane and or like, like fly over call there. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, like I am still pretty local in my neighborhood because it is the place where I can most directly enact change. Yeah, yeah, there, there's definitely one of the journeys this hero has to go on is accepting what what they can and cannot influence. Mm -hmm. But also, like, this strikes me as, yeah, this is a type of person where if Darkseid shows up, if a boom tube opens up, Darkseid walks mm -hmm. out, this is somebody who can maybe, like, get on his hands and knees behind Darkseid so that, you know, Superman can give him the old Melvin yeah. and send him back through. But, like, that's the extent of it. Yeah, they're not they're not going to get into a fist fight with Darkseid. That's it's an easy way to die. Seven. And once after that 17th death, you've ex you accept that that's not going to happen. <laughs> yes, I do like that this person gets to die unlimited times. That's great. That's good. That's very yep. that's very classic. Love it. OK, so we answered uh, where do our where do my powers come from? They can come from science, magic, technology, ancestry, who even knows or powers what powers. I'm going to go with science somewhere between science and technology of like, I think there was uh, taking a cue. I think I think Hulk style, like a reactor was going to explode and I absorbed like a quantum bomb energy and like it just became like a thing. Right. Like I just absorbed a lot of like there was a time machine experiment. It exploded. I absorbed a bunch of energy and over like over the 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 year or two since that has happened i have learned that like i i have a little bit of i have a little bit of control here oh jeff 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 this person mm -hmm. this per like there was there's this reactor right in the middle of this highly populated city they're doing this wild experiment that is you know folding the universe onto itself distorting time and space and something goes wrong you know maybe mm -hmm. this person is a scientist working on this experiment what have you this person sees that something's going wrong is going wrong flings open the door everybody's fleeing the building trying to escape this person knows that this is going to cause a disaster that will destroy the city so what do they do they fling open the door they dash inside the laboratory with one goal in mind i have to stop this from happening and mm. they go through this loop enough times they stop that from happening that's their origin story yep they come out of story. it groundhog day 
Bill Murray with whatever abilities <laughs> you gained. They learned how to play the piano, I guess, and mm-hmm. also came to a moment of emotional clarity, but they stopped that disaster. They realized they didn't have balance in their life, and so they've, they've learned to not prioritize work <laughs> over the, the little thing. There's no point in comparing myself to my brother. I'm happy in the way that makes me happy. He's happy right. in the way that makes him happy. Perfect. I, that's a very, very good and now the last question that I have, I've got, my name is Maxine Max Murray, uh, she, her pronouns. My superhero name is Pucks, P-U-X. It's short for Puxatawney because of a, because I, when I, when I became a superhero, I realized I wanted to make it a Groundhog reference. Mm-hmm. So I short, I started out as Puxatawney, my first few superhero adventures where I called myself Puxatawney. People kept assuming that that meant that I was from the town of Puxatawney. Yeah. So I had to shorten it because I was like, well, I've already invested in a costume with a P on it. And people are going to keep asking me if I'm from the city. If like, I'm just here from out of town, it's getting confusing. So I'm going to call myself pucks as sort of a branding decision. One of the questions that I have about this, because I, I adore this. I adore it's like, yeah, I've seen Groundhog's Day. I understand my connection to, to this film. I, I want to know how many people in Pucks's city know what's going on. Because... I have a thought for that. Mm -hmm. I want to say what what people think Puck's deal is, is just that she is like a Batman style, like ordinary vigilante that is like preternaturally good and athletic and like is just that damn good. And she's just like, it's easier. It's it's easier for me to explain it that way than to explain because the first time that I let someone know that I let them die a few times while I worked out the kinks in my plan. Oh yeah. Like it's easier if I just let them think that I am like an ordinary vigilante. So I think there's like, there's like a very small, maybe like three people that know the real deal. And, and at least one of them hates me because I tried to explain it to them. And they were like, you let me die. You let me die because you had to work out how to get a cat from a tree. This is OK. Uh, so I, I like this and I think this could be a good angle angle on it. I do want us to consider down the other trouser leg. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea in this city and maybe this is a thing where we can uh, have both. Uh, there, there's an idea in the city where if Pucks asks you to do something, even if it seems inconsequential, you know you kind of have to do it. Like, I, oh, that's really good. Because if everybody's kind of in on it and gets it, you know, there's a sense of like Pucks like hands you a, a soccer ball and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? And basically, you know, well, when the time is right, I'm going to figure it out. If Pucks mm-hmm. needed to explain it to me, like what I should do with it, I, I, I'm basically saving time by not asking questions and just going along with it. <laughs> There's also then maybe some people just have a chill attitude where if you're like the construction worker who's who's fallen from, you know, the, the window cleaning thing on the side of a tower and you fall past Pucks, you go, don't feel bad. I know you'll get it eventually. I, I, I really <laughs> love that. I, I love that a lot. I you know what you've that you've fully convinced me. I think there it is a little bit of both. I think there are some people that don't know and just assume that Pucks is a little bit of a Batman or a little bit of an Ozymandias. Like she's just got a plan for everything. She's yeah. if she has time to prepare, yeah, she can win. But there are absolutely people that like she has told and they're like, oh, that you know, okay, yeah, that tracks. I've seen Groundhog Day. I know that deal. Like that is that that is funny to me the idea that like because groundhog day is culturally accepted a lot of times when she explains it to people they're like oh like groundhog day got it yeah okay cool you do your thing. <laughs> oh you're in a groundhog day loop got it that explains your confusing name oh pucks like pucks a taunt now now i i thought you were just from out of town <laughs> that's very yep and so the last question is going to determine my character's strong suit. This is going to determine where I'm from, like what neighborhood I'm most comfortable in. And I'm going to say I'm going to be the smiling face, a friend to those who need it. My strong suit is going to be hearts. The other option is I could be the hand of the people protecting them so they can thrive. 
an icon that they look up to for inspiration or the dark knight that avenges injustice i feel like <laughs> pucks feels like a smiling face to me pucks feels like she feels like just a, the, the the person that like like you said people have a chill attitude around her because she's just like your friendly neighbor that sometimes shows up to you know put out a house fire because i need this house fire to be out right now but and like it from pucks's perspective pucks is probably friends with almost everyone in the city or was oh, yeah. friends with them at one point you know mm-hmm. all these different loops that she gets in like eventually you just kind of get to know everyone so even if you don't know pucks in the timeline where she actually you know pulled it off and, and saved mm-hmm. you she knows how to treat you in a way that would make you feel comfortable even if you don't directly interact with each other in the new timeline yeah i love that i love that a lot that is I love Pucks is the thing. I've really come I'm I'm a big fan of Pucks. Huge Pucks fan. Big fan. So now we're going to make the city. James, you're going to be playing the city and you are everyone. You are the ordinary people, extraordinary people. You are the other heroes in the city. You're going to be playing other villains and people trying to live their lives. You are everyone that Pucks protects and you are everyone that gives Pucks their strength to go on. Now we're going to make the city that Pucks lives in. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. Mm -hmm. First off, how large is this city? Is it a small town? Is it a bustling borough? Is it a major metropolis? Is it the whole wide world or is it to infinity and beyond? Uh, I'm going to call this a metropolis. I I sort of like the idea in in comics how metropolises sort of also have that very small town energy Mm -hmm. of just... You know, you you identify so much with the city that even though there are millions of people, it, it feels very small and it has its own personality to it. I love that. I love that a ton. So next up, what we're going to do is, and we can do this collaboratively, or if you have ideas, we can throw them out. We're going to make up four neighborhoods and we're going to assign each of those neighborhoods a suit of playing cards. For reference, the suit of hearts is going to be the neighborhood that Pucks feels most comfortable in. The suit of diamonds is... A neighborhood that Pucks is familiar with, but is is not like their home turf, but is pretty familiar with. And then the suits of clubs and spades are the places that Pucks does not have as much experience doing hero stuff in. So that is where she is out of her element. So I'm going to ask you, James, what are what are some of the neighborhoods of this metropolis that we are that we are going to be exploring? Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, I just want to thank everyone for supporting our Patreon. We are starting a new year and excited to try many new projects. I've got a few in the work that I am so excited but can't discuss yet, but they definitely become a lot easier to do with more funding to do them. So, if you enjoyed our podcasts in 2020 and are in a financial position to support us, please head over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and sign up to be a backer. That gets you access to cool bonus content and it allows us to do all of the wonderful things that you enjoy. This week, we've got more Skyjacks bonus content headed your way with a discussion between myself and Drew Merzieski about the information desk. You get access to bonus content like that starting at $5 a month. And most importantly, you get more from us on our main feeds. Thanks to everyone who supports us already and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. I'm thinking about Pucks and, you know, where she chooses to live. And, you know, I I think it is, this is a superhero really, like, her power is developed in a way, like, does money even make sense as a thing that Pucks can even care about? Like, Pucks is an Mm -hmm. immortal person like sort of in in a lot of ways by by the time that she lives out her natural life she'll have lived you know hundreds of thousands of lifetimes so i think the thing that would be most important to her is having friendly and interesting neighbors you know people who are helpful like i think we, we talked a little bit about you know the idea of like oh maybe some people get it i have to imagine in puck's neighborhood everybody gets it oh i love that i I genuinely love that i want to throw out the idea that this is a neighborhood that is adjacent to like the downtown district and it is very urban residential which is like it's a lot of big apartment buildings Mm -hmm. and like just big giant housing 
like complexes and there's just a lot of people there and it is that sort of like place where where everybody that lives there kind of knows each other in this sort of big urban center oh jeff there is a part of me and this might be getting too weird we we might look at this and go maybe we don't want to go here this could be sesame street this could be a place where humans and muppets live together and there is okay. kind of a larger city. I love I'm gonna say here's the thing. I'm gonna say yes and I'm gonna spin this spin this a little bit because I adore it and there's a specific trope that I love. I would love to throw out because Pucks was a a grad student at like an experimental science lab. Mm-hmm. If this is a part of the city where that is like a home to that is like home to super science that is like super science central mm-hmm. and so therefore like it's kind of eureka-esque where it's like there's just weird stuff and the people in this neighborhood just live with it it's like oh yeah that person that's a muppet that person <laughs> is actually that person is actually six people and you, see there they are all together and they're actually all from alternate realities they ended up here in a, like a multiverse mix-up experiment this person is actually a computer virus that is sentient. That's why they're on all of the different screens. That's why they appear in every Zoom meeting that you conduct. And it's just like all of this sciency weirdness is just confined to this one neighborhood that Pucks lives in. Oh, and I like it's that. It's very chill. Yeah. Yeah. That's I I ah man, I like it. I like it because I kind of think at one point before Pucks, pre-Pucks, this was a bad place to live. Mm. This was just a bad place to live. And super villains came out of here all oh, yeah. the time. These are people who would otherwise be super villains. A sentient computer virus. That's going to be a super villain unless it befriends pucks because she's the only person that will come over and play chess with it. Pucks understands pucks understands not only how to help people, but how to help people help each other and, and create communities taking these like tragic things of like, yeah, my body and mind is split across six dimensions. No pucks is here to help you Mm -hmm. through that experience and help you find neighbors who will help you through that experience experience i love that a lot I'm, i would love to name this name this this neighborhood science city science it's very city. tropey and it's great and that's the mm-hmm. so that's the suit of heart that's that's pucks's neighborhood i'm thinking as another district because where science city is if downtown is i is downtown is another one of these districts and it's very i want to say maybe this is even one of this is either spades or clubs but like the idea that that downtown is sort of the other half of this where it's very much like science as ruthless business is like a huge thing that is that is here and this is where you know this is where the oscorp labs are this is where stark labs are it's like this is where the big giant laboratories this is where pucks got her powers but it is very much like this is where science is done for the sake of profit over all things as opposed to like you know, if somebody's doing an experiment in Science City, like at one point it may have been because they wanted to develop technology to rob a bank with. But now they're <laughs> doing it because, you know, now they're just doing it and they're accompanied by a computer virus and by pucks and a bu- and four other people that are sitting around like, all right, see, here's how here's how I think we can make this really, really special. And it becomes mm-hmm. like a communal experience, whereas downtown it is we are going to we are going to create something that increases productivity by 1.2% and if it also turns people into nanobot monsters well that's that'd be an more acceptable productive. loss <laughs> also we can sell products to a hive mind of nanobots yeah. that's something that marketing has proven they'll need they will need software they and honestly <laughs> if we if we apply a licensing model to that that's going to be that's month over month revenues what that mm-hmm. is great yes yes this science capitalism nightmare just down the street i love it so what's another what's another district in our neighborhood and we can leave some of these and develop them in as we go but it's always helpful to like have an idea of like where we're going to be visiting uh the dichotomy between those two is really good let's see we we've we've got super dark in the light capitalism nightmare and then we've got like a place that was very affected by that and full of Mm -hmm. lovable weirdos that came through with heart so sitting kind of on other poles for that 
point, there's got to be some sort of seedy black market area, you know, that's like old school crimes, you know, people, people with dollar sign bags and striped shirts meeting I, on dock sides. I was going to throw out the docks and honestly, <laughs> like, and, 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 you know, call me predictable. And partially I say that because I've thrown out the print, the pitch of the docks on several other podcasts, but I'm going to throw it out again because you know what? Every good comic book city needs a shady dock. Where a ship can come in at two in the morning and three men in suits can walk off with a briefcase, look around and sneak off into the night. If you are in a major city and you want to commit a crime, go to the docks. It's where crime happens. The docks. It's where crime happens. It's where crime happens. All right. So we've got our docks. We've got downtown. I feel like I would like I would love a city park. Like a Central mm-hmm. Park style, like a large city park. And I think that the bitch that I want to throw out for this to you that ties into all of the sort of sciency stuff that we've got going on is that this is a bit of a, a Central Park as land before time. Oh, I think as yeah. a result of some as a result of some civic action that Pucks has taken, if someone say brings a dinosaur back from the Jurassic era. The responsible thing to do is to let that dinosaur wander in the parks. We have the the grid set up. We have our Jurassic Park like electric fences, but we just let that that dinosaur live out its days in our city park. So it is a a very like peaceful Central Park esque area, except there's also occasionally things that are created as a side effect of science that we let that we that we humanely let wander in this city park oh i like this i like this a lot i kind of there's part of me that's is it is it annihilation is that the movie with the weird sort of dimensional rift that's like slowly increasing yep, that and is, making that is annihilation weird? what if this is like positive annihilation where Mm. some experiment went wrong and created this kind of strange dimensional rift like it's imagine like in new york city central park just keeps getting bigger and the decision that that people are forced to like come to is like do we try to push back against this and and keep it out or do we embrace it and like you've got pucks's side of the city where they've decided we're going to embrace this and we're going to be happy to be whatever comes out of this and and incorporating this in our life and then you've got this bad corporate part of the city that's like we're going to fight this tooth and nail to hang on to our terrible capitalistic nightmare that we've built up for everyone around us i love that i i love that a I love that a lot. I also love that that just looking at like the the suits of cards, I think that would be diamonds and that feels perfect if this is an area that Pucks is like, yeah, I've been to the park. It's my park. I walk there all the time. There's there's a T-Rex. I, mean, I can go see a, a real live T-Rex. Why would I not go to eat my lunch there? Plus, there's a Euro cart around the corner that is the best in the city. <laughs> there's a hot dog cart that sits on a Mobius strip somewhere. <laughs> if you sells- can find it, it's the best in the city. <laughs> and so that is our city. That is our city creation. Together, you and I, because we traditionally this would be a third player, but since we're playing with the two of us, you and I are just going to kind of share this role and each of us will just throw out pitches that feel appropriate to us. The last piece of the puzzle is the villain. The villain is here to destroy because they crave power or maybe it's out of spite for the hero. Maybe it's part of a larger plan, but the villain's goal is to burn this city to the ground. Mm-hmm. Their role in play is every turn, you, James, are going to flip a card as the city and tell us where our new issue day adventure takes place. And the villain is going to put that place and the people in it in danger. And then I, as the hero, I'm going to describe how I overcome that danger. And I'm going to roll some dice to see how well I do at that task. Oh, that's great. All right. So you and I will be sharing the villain role as we go. So each each round, once you introduce a place, one of us, either one of us can step up and say, here's what I think would be a really compelling danger to to fill this space. And the other mechanical thing about the villain is as we go through play, they fill out a list from two to ten of whenever a number of card is drawn, that threat comes back again and again. So if you draw four tens, you see the same threat four times. 
Gotcha. Uh, using the flash example from earlier, like you can say every time I draw a five, Captain Cold shows up. So it builds that sense of, all right, I see a five. We've got a five. Captain Cold is here in a new part of the city. Let's go. So that that's what the villain is building as the game goes. Gotcha. Cool. And with all of that, we are ready to dive in and start our adventure. The one thing that I need you to do, James. Yes. You have a deck of cards in front of you. I do. I need you to take one of those jokers that you set aside. Mm -hmm. You pulled the jokers out of your deck of cards. I need you to take one of them. All right. And shuffle it into the bottom half of the deck of cards that is in front of you. Excellent. That card represents our downfall. That card represents our grand nemesis, the dark side to our Superman, the 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 green goblin to our Spider-Man. That card represents our grand nemesis. Puck's grand nemesis arriving on the scene, demolishing a big chunk of the city and defeating Puck's pretty definitively. Whoa. When that happens, we will shuffle the other Joker into the deck, which will be our uprising, which is when Pucks comes back and saves the day. But we have to play through the game knowing that somewhere in that deck of cards, there is a card that is going to ruin our day. Wow. Okay. All right. You know, that's sort of like waking up every morning in 2020, except you don't get to have the uprising shuffle yeah. in. It, and they're all jokers. And every single card is a joker and you just keep flipping them. In. Oh, okay. Every oh, single right. card is Jaqueen Phoenix's joker. I don't understand why I bought an all all Jaqueen Phoenix joker deck. And so That was a weird call. It's a deck. It's just a flip book of him dancing on those <laughs> stairs. Oh no. Today's card, dancing on stairs. Tomorrow's card, dancing on stairs. Oh. On that note, I think we're ready to flip our first card. Oh, what is the name of this city? Oh, we don't have a name for our city. What if it's Curie City? Curie City. I feel like with a science theme, that feels appropriate. All right. I love it. Science capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Silicon Valley. Don't know her. Couldn't be me. Uh, this is science that really helps people. Uh, yeah. comes out of Curie City. <laughs> Yeah, this is the listen. A lot of people are making like apps. Not a lot of cities are making nanobot clouds. Yeah. All right. With that, James, you're going to flip a card. Tell me what that card is, and I will tell you what is about to unfold. All right. This is the Jack of Diamonds. Ooh, the Jack of Diamonds means that our adventure happens somewhere peaceful. Here, our hero is going to encounter someone in need. Someone who can help them on their journey to defeat the villain, but who needs something from the hero first. I'm going to ask you, James, this is a diamond. This is in our city park. This is Mm -hmm. in our, this is in Quantum Park. Yes. Describe the scene to the hero. There may be people here, but it is somewhere where the hero can quietly recover and focus their attention. It is somewhere peaceful and personal to our hero. Where do we find ourselves? We find ourselves on uh, one of the many recreational sports fields that is in Quantum Park. There is currently an unlimited Frisbee game happening, mm. which is kind of like Ultimate Frisbee, but it takes place inside a tesseract of a field. So you mm. can throw the Frisbee up and, you know, catch it like on the ceiling and whatnot. Like it, it's, it's strange because you can look up and see the field but there's somehow still a sky and it's still bright but like yeah you're you're playing and there are frisbees like kind of everywhere and i kind of feel like for a lot of people this would be a chaotic environment one that it was hard to focus but all these things going on like seeing there's probably you know about a dozen people playing this game but hundreds of them across the various dimensions mm-hmm. that are intersecting here in this park and that kind of chaos so much represents uh, Puck's home that that I think she feels a little bit of peace here I love that and I think it's also a sense that like there's so much going on that Puck's can't hope to follow it all and pay attention to it all and for someone whose powers are really predicated on i have to monitor every little detail this ability to like go to a place that is just such unbridled chaos and like i can't follow every single detail so there's a certain degree of like i can let go here because i can't i can't follow it all i can just kind of focus on one thing and that is a really refreshing 
outside of the mask activity for Pox. Like for, yeah. for, for Max, that is a really that's the it is a freedom, a freedom to not be hyper vigilant at all times yeah, no no it makes sense because puck's power set kind of no matter what happens anywhere there's almost always a sense of puck's feeling like well i could probably do something about that yeah so the actually feeling powerless has to be joyful there's got to be a joy to that i love that and so while we are here we are in this space playing unlimited frisbee pucks is going to meet someone that they are going to be able to help out and who will help out pucks in return james i'm going to ask you to describe a person who can become a protege to puck someone that needs guidance and a helping hand to lift them up tell us who they are and how how pucks can help them in this moment we, we've already mentioned Muppets. I kind of think we get somebody in this game is having a lot of trouble keeping up. And I think it's because they've become a Muppet, but like only recently. Mm. I feel like there's some kind of horrible corporate like science accident engineered within this city maybe eventually they forced a recall or whatever but it was turning people into muppets for the longest time look the disney corporation wanted really badly they really they they, they really wanted to cut the budget on the muppets reboot that they were putting together and they figured look we can make new puppets we can train puppeteers or we can just cast actors now granted that experiment went wrong and people were turned into muppets but you know what it showed the technology can work yeah i I think it's somebody who ended up in a muppet body and is not feeling it and their friends invited them out to play unlimited frisbee and it's causing this is a game they used to truly love and their new body is like just causing all of these problems for them so i think how pucks is able to help or is able to help their new friend is they they're not the only muppet in town and i think Mm -hmm. like pucks she quietly cheats a little bit in that she sets up a time loop and she's like my goal is to get my new friend to come to to come to Roy's Muppet Mixer on Thursday nights. And so like she has to go through it a few times. Like there's a few there's she she goes through that talking path a few times. It's a little bit Mass Effect dialogue tree of like, yep, I hit the wrong button. I got to go back. But like she eventually convinces this. She she you know, she she hangs out with the Muppet. She like she brings them aside and she's like, hey, look, like my friend Roy, who is also a Muppet, Mm-hmm. has a mixer for Muppets and like, would you like to come and eventually like convinces her new friend and like introduces them around, you know, shows them, shows them some people. And I think like, I think she, she recognizes like, I'm not really the best person to directly like give this person the guidance and helping hand they need. But I know people because I live in this place around these other people who are more equipped to provide that kind of support. So I think that she's able to like connect that person with the person with the people that they need. And that is how they become friends. Like she gets to know this person. And I think this person will learn more about our about our Muppet friend later because we may they may come up again in play. We'll find out. And the reason I say this is that now they are an ally. They are someone that can support us because we drew the jack. I love it. I love it. And so what happens mechanically is if I at any time I'm trying to overcome a threat in you said this is the Jack of Diamonds, correct? Jack of Diamonds. Yes. Yes. So if any time you flip a diamond that is a number card, which is a threat, I can anytime we roll a one, which would normally be the result for someone is lost, like someone dies and I can't save everyone. As long as our friend is in play, I can treat that one as a four or five. I can just choose to take that one as a success. If our efforts are opposed by a person in power, which we'll get to if we draw king, that ally can sacrifice themselves to take down that person in power. And then they are just gone from the game and have this moment of heroic sacrifice. But for the time being, they are just an we, they, we just have like a confidant, an ally who knows Quantum Park really, really well. Hmm. Yeah. So let okay. me ask you, what is their relationship to Quantum Park that they know this so well and can help us navigate threats? 
I think they are just like an athlete, a little bit of a jock, you know, pre-Muppet. Like they spent a lot of time jogging along the Mobius strip. They love unlimited Frisbee. I think this is just, they move, a lot of people move to Denver because they want a metropolitan lifestyle, but they also want to have access to the mountains. I think you move to Curie City because, like, you have seen the, like, terrestrial challenges the world can offer you, and you've gone, that's not enough. I can go deeper. I love that. Yeah, so this this person, like, you know, I want an infinite climbing wall. Uh, I want a climbing bubble. And that exists in Curie Park. The, the, the only issue is they got turned into a Muppet, which is sort of challenging. Well, what, what, does, what does this mean for athleticism and what I think of myself? I was really defining myself through my body. I love that. And, and now that body is a Muppet. This episode of One Shot uses music from Scott Buckley, provided under a Creative Commons International 4.0 license. The track used is Ashes of a Fallen Year. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online anywhere at The Other Tracy. Well, heroes, that was it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with more Anyone Can Wear the Mask. In the meantime, check out some of the other amazing shows here on the One Shot Network. Like All My Fantasy Children. All My Fantasy Children is a character creation, world building, and storytelling podcast powered by you. Each week, best friends Aaron Catano Saez and Jeff Stormer take a listener submitted prompt and using some of their favorite tabletop RPGs, create an original fantasy character. Along the way, they populate a shared universe one story at a time. They share laughs, stories, and verbal hugs along the way. As always, we end one shot with a call to action, and heroes, this week I think we need to call our representatives and tell them that stirring up an insurrection demands consequences. The government is supposed to function because of laws and checks and balances. One of the reasons that the different branches of government have tools to check the other is to prevent someone like Donald Trump from seizing power through abuse of their authority. And frankly, speaking directly to and encouraging people who broke into the Capitol building with the intent to harm lawmakers and overthrow an election is absolutely an abuse of civic authority. And if that's not something that we punish in this society, I'm not sure how extreme an action would have to be in order to result in punishment. And if we let this lie, I think we're on the path to find out. Thankfully, you can do something about this. Calling your representatives is a direct way to establish public will to create consequences, not just for the president, but for everyone involved in encouraging this insurrection. Or attempted coup. I am pretty sure there's a legal distinction between those two, but I'm going to be honest and say that I don't know it. I do know that your lawmakers have the ability to create consequences for it, and they absolutely should pursue it. There is no unity to be won here. The thing that we should be able to unify around is democracy and the result of our elections. And these folks have made it clear that they have no interest in doing that. So if you want to join me in calling your representatives, the best way to do it is the way I do it. Head over to fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There you'll be able to find summaries for issues like this one, along with contact information for your representatives and a script to read while you're on the phone to help you get your message across. Calling is quick, and it's an important part of making the world a better place. Thanks, heroes.